Welcome to Health Stealth Radio, where we move away from the mundane to gather insights from the shadows, from the shadows of enterprise and patient cybersecurity. Yes, we surely believe that traditional themes like endpoint software and zero trust are critical, but given massive advances in AI, remote and wearable device hacking, and data hostage negotiators, there's a much darker side to cybersecurity, and not everyone is quite willing to talk about it in public. Health Stealth Radio will thrive on these topics and encourage fireside spats to debate them. Here's your host, Frank Katita. Thank you uh, again to our audience for coming back to the second episode of Health Stealth Radio. Uh, the theme of the uh, program is insights from the shadows of cybersecurity uh, related to patients and clinicians. Uh, and I'm especially interested in the, se- the segment we have today uh, because cyber breaches can always put patients and clinicians at risk no matter how or where they occur. But the reason I wanted to do this interview is that the political landscape with the right to choose, right to life, reproductive rights, whatever people are calling it, has become so volatile that the harm to patients and providers has taken on a totally new dimension. Normally, healthy people are now at risk uh, by being physically and surely emotionally harmed as a result of their personal health information being captured and the decisions that they make. Uh, and one of my friends that's on the forefront of this uh, is Jacqueline Sanchez, who I've known for a while. I've watched her career trajectory in a number of areas uh, related to IT and in some of our previous lives. And uh, I wanted her to come on because um, she will introduce herself, but she works for the Planned Parenthood organization in Southwest Central Florida as the uh, business operations vice president and deals with so many of the aspects of this issue uh, from the technology side. And you just can't get away from the emotional side of this. So technology notwithstanding, we all know anyone who watches the evening news uh, or can read a, a website knows uh, that it's a, a tremendously volatile issue, especially as it pertains to cybersecurity and, and privacy. And, and uh, I just like to have a disclaimer here that we're, we're not taking a stance one way or the other on this program related to reproductive rights. The fact is, is that innocent people are being harmed by their data being spread, uh, not only patients or, or clients, but also the clinicians and the providers of care. Uh, so without further ado, I, I'd like to introduce Jacqueline and have her give a, uh, a, a an intro and, and sort of a, a day in the life of Jacqueline story. Yeah, well, thank you, Frank. Um, uh, In my current role, I do oversee IT, cybersecurity, project management, uh, compliance, quality, risk management, uh, and data analytics. And um, for Planned Parenthood of Southwest Central Florida, and I really look to um, align all of those areas with the overall strategy and goals of the organization. So my goal in a day in the life of me is I really strive to operationally integrate those critical areas across the organization to ensure operational excellence, um, safeguard the data and systems for, of course, the privacy and security of our patients and uh, foster a culture of innovation and continuous improvement. Um, And, you know, what really uh, those key, you know, performance areas are KPIs um, I really focus on are the effectiveness, efficiency, and the impact of the operations. 
Very good. Um, so I, obviously, you know, we, we hear it over and over again that the pandemic was life changing. There's a new normal. Uh, so you had a chance to experience that, obviously, and I'm sure it had effects on, on Planned Parenthood. In addition to that, we have legislation all over the country, state by state, Supreme Court, every place you can look that's either agreeing with or conflicting with uh, another legislative body. Uh, tell me how over the last couple years where this has really come to the fore, how your how your life, professional life has changed in terms of the way that you have to address this issue? Yes, uh, great question. Thank you. Um, I, I will say, actually, in all healthcare, and especially in this landscape, right, it is very vital uh, for service providers to prioritize for prior to prioritize privacy and security. Um, I do feel that over the last decade and even more, you know, recently, um, you have seen technology grow and actually play a bigger role in all areas of health care and the service delivery, right? You mentioned the pandemic, uh, switching to remote work, telehealth, all of the different pieces, even how we access and, uh, you know, seek out services. Um, but uh, I really do think that to keep up with the technology, regulators are working hard to require strong cybersecurity practices. Um, but to really hone in on your question regarding our posture and what we've done, I do like to think that, um, actually, I actually am proud to say that we have always been ahead of the curve when it comes to prioritizing privacy and safety for our patients and staff. Obviously, um, we have had a different landscape and have always had that um, that need and reason to protect our our patients' um, security and privacy, but a lot of so therefore many of those industry best practices that you see coming out and those standards that you know that are really you know cutting edge and really looking to prioritize cybersecurity. We've been doing them for years, right? So, and I do like to think that. PBSWCF on my end is on the cutting edge when it comes to protecting the privacy and security for both our staff and patients. And we continue to build on that every day as you see those regulations and laws come out to limit and um, restrict, you know, some of the care that we're able to, to provide. Interesting. So in, in, in some of our previous talks, we we've looked at the equity issue and, in some of the, uh, uh, some of the sessions that we've done and and as with equity i mean sometimes you look for equity in all the wrong places we just look at people the color of the skin and we we, we don't really even look at the implicit aspects of equity uh this isn't an equity session that we're doing here on the radio but, but I, I think and hopefully agree that that there are the subtleties of of cybersecurity as well as it relates to the field that you're in and 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 sometimes looking for these cybersecurity issues related to reproductive rights for example we're looking in the wrong in all the wrong places what what are some of the in your experience what are some of the more subtle areas that we wouldn't normally think of where people are being hacked or their data is being um uh, scoured uh, for 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 money yeah. or or just for we we just had a session uh, earlier on hacktivism. What what are some of the more subtle aspects of this that that people would see that they wouldn't normally think of? Yeah, so that is a great question, and you know that um, you know bias and um, 
bias in data and technology and healthcare is definitely something I'm passionate about. And, and it can, and it can creep up in any scenario, right? Uh, especially with the growing use of technology tools and digital tools, uh, many risks are there, right? So the typical hack, for example, where, you know, stolen credentials, somebody steals your data, right? That's not what we're looking for. Um, so, you mentioned something scouring, right? I like to use the term data scraping, right? That's a technique that threat actors can use to infer so much that, you know, that leads to those social engineering tax identity threats. Um, overall, the tracking of services that are being sought out for, you know, for example, um, how you even access the internet, where you're searching, what you're searching, what platforms you're looking, um, looking to access services or anything on the internet, right? People are, um, these threat actors are out there looking for any opportunity to use that data to infer different things. And since we are living in this interconnected world, we live where convenience is key, right? And patients or and everyone, not just patients, leave a digital footprint, such as like the search histories, the app usage, the, the location data. And all of that can be potentially used to monitor and track individuals seeking reproductive and sexual health care services as well as any anything on the internet. So it, it is really important to to call that out. And um, of course, uh, there are there are always biases and equality equity um, in all of those scenarios as to you know what types of communities where you live, the location, what services you're seeking, you know, and you know how you're being sought after, depending on all of those um, pieces. So I imagine there's a fair amount of this because there's so much um discussion discussion groups web groups where people are talking about this kind of stuff people self-identifying just by the fact that they're asking questions or or thinking they're doing somebody answer you're, you're saying that that's the social engineering that's being used right now in order to find out people who are looking for these services and have, have actually might have availed themselves to those services in places where it's illegal Absolutely. Um, yes. So um, everyone, honestly, there and again, and I do want to preface, there's no one technology control or collection of technologies that can really protect you from what you're referring to. Like it is it's um, it's a lot of pieces you have to play. The vast amount of data that we all put out there plays such a, a vital part in and it tells a story right from connecting your devices to health apps syncing accounts to multiple search engines and platforms, um, metadata in photos, uh, IoT devices in your home. That's always a big scary one, right? Like who's listening? Uh, even voice assistants that record conversations like I was talking about, social media posts, connecting on public Wi-Fi, accepting cookies, click to agree, privacy statements. Nobody reads all of those, but all of the, all of those things motivate a threat actor and can help really it just really shows that anyone is vulnerable and going back to that data scraping it's 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 really easy i mean unfortunately threat actors have a lot of tools at their fingertips that they can use to um really just identify that data so so to to the to the outside point of view i mean your your the major targets would be the patients that are availing themselves to the service but who are, who are some of the other stakeholders uh, that you need to protect that are involved in this whole ecosystem of reproductive rights beyond the um, beyond the patient or the the client, whatever whichever one you call them, uh, depending on the instance, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, the great question. The potential impact of of this 
you know, these type of um, threats um, on different stakeholders um, really can vary. Um, and it's not just on the patients, right? So you, it doesn't, um, let's, sorry, let me just take a second and think. Um, obviously the staff, right? The staff and um, the teams, the teams in the healthcare, the healthcare staff and teams that are there really to help and, um, you know, and to provide services to patients who are looking out. But even unsuspecting um platforms, right? Search engines, uh, website designers, uh, apps that, you know, are, that provide location data that you're not even aware of that can, um, <laughs> that help track these data. Uh, I mean, anyone, there are a lot of stakeholders that don't even know their stakeholders that are putting their information or in that, they, that they can be at risk depending on the, the legality and the different um, restrictions and uh, what laws you, you are looking to Make sure you're within scope in those different states. If you're just tuning in, this is Health Stealth Radio. My name is Frank Katita. I hope you enjoy the show. We're speaking with Jacqueline Sanchez from Planned Parenthood of Southwest and Central Florida. You know, the horrible stereotypical thought of Planned Parenthood is it's it's that it's birth control, the sort of the ancient version of that. Uh, it, it, and so your, your remit is much broader than that i mean you know you you had mentioned it yourself i mean are are people obviously sexual orientation is a large part of what you do as well are 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 those people becoming just as prone to these these breaches and and hacks as as people that are uh, looking at the reproductive rights part um yes absolutely um no one is created equal they're not all equal right um it goes kind of back to what you were referring to on the so, so we were, we were, we were talking a little bit about, you know, who is equally as prone to hacks and privacy situations, in addition to the people that are looking for right to choose, and and right to choose could be determined by sexual orientation too. I have the right to choose my own sexual orientation, uh, and you were saying that it, 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 at this point, those people are just as vulnerable as others that you would have on the birth rights. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, data privacy and cybersecurity are crucial concerns for all patients. However, um, for patients, the risks do vary based on what you're referring to, location, type of service, uh, socioeconomic status. For instance, patients seeking services or even information on services for reproductive health, right? STDs, contraception, LGBTQ+, transgender care, all of those, they use technology, right? And that digital prejudice presents a significant risk for for all types of patients and and unfortunately the data tracking and surveillance such as the search histories the app usage the data you know the location data can potentially be used to monitor and track those individuals seeking services for you know gender gender affirming care uh all of those pieces and and yeah the threat actors are seeking out specific platforms to not only um and this is another big risk, uh, not only identify and monitor, but also inject misinformation and false truth, right? And false trust about services. So um, there, that's another, it's another risk that, you know, is out there. So publishing false information and promoting unsafe practices, and even unfortunately, the legal implications, understanding that, you know, law enforcement and other authorities could potentially access that data and use it as evidence, you know, in state's where services are prohibited for certain for certain patients. 
that's interesting you know, the, the the evidence part is really is, is really quite shocking in itself so the i mean the fingerprints are all over the place here so so yeah you you alluded to this to a certain point and in in, in in regard to digital health literacy uh which is a really big deal uh and and no no television radio or or print program could could be finished without some mention of artificial intelligence so so i mean i i look at what you do and artificial intelligence could be an incredibly powerful tool for for generating data content delivering generative ai it, it could also be the enemy because uh because of the uh, illusions that there are the hallucinations that this technology has it could give some really bad advice to people looking for serious reproductive care so where, where does where does that fit into the work that you're doing i mean are are you testing forms of ai or is it built in already into some of the platforms that you're doing or do you see it friend or foe so I'm very passionate about AI. I think it is a very helpful tool and it is the future. So I, I do, but I am also very passionate about responsible use. So I always have to say that responsible use and, you know, for the implications that, you know, uh, implicit bias in AI can entail. However, um, as a tool, I, I think it can definitely increase availability, efficiency, and assist in the efforts uh, to increase health literacy. You really can- say, When um, you say availability, uh, do you mean- Physical availability, like availability of care? Yeah, yeah, availability of, depending on what you're looking for, right? So like, um, and of course, with the tagline that it has to be secure use and all of that. But yeah, it provides availability to some areas that where there, where there isn't, right? Even if it is health education and um, to really assist, it really has the potential to provide accessible and comprehensive health information. Uh, again, I'm fascinated by it, right? It is amazing how AI systems can analyze vast amounts of data of medical literature and, you know, and deliver insights, right, on patient data or in a user-friendly way that's easy to ingest as, you know, someone who is not a medical professional, right? So, um, and this can be fashion, this can be definitely beneficial where resources are not readily available. Again, there is serious risk associated with AI, especially with health information. Um, again, I am very passionate and motivated about the safe um, and responsible equitable use of AI, because there is still so much work that can be done and needs to be done about AI models and their training, equity, and privacy. So I always want to make sure that's being said. Um, there are there have been many there have been many studies about harm and impact of implicit bias in in healthcare AI, and we know that. AI systems are only as good as the data they are trained on, and that inaccurate, incomplete, potentially inequitable data can lead to dissemination of inaccurate or misleading health information, which can be dangerous. So as much as I am very passionate and an advocate for the use of AI, um, it's really important that we understand it can be dangerous, especially if patients are relying on this information to make health-related decisions. Um, and at Planned Parenthood, PPSWCF, we do see the risks in these programs. Uh, however, we are constantly balancing and incorporating changing technologies in order to best serve our patients. Because you also, it's not going away and you don't want to miss the boat on AI. And you know, you can really help a lot of people with its benefits. So, you know, it's a balance. Do you think there's a period or maybe it's happening right now where, where people like yourselves or people in my profession for, for other things are, are putting in prompts just to see how literate it is about health or about reproductive rights. I mean, so, I mean, we, we just see, uh, it, it had me, I, I asked, I asked it 
to tell me about Frank Katita. And and it got me confused with Ben Crenshaw, the golfer. Uh, and it gave a, a very a very flattering flattering description of my golf career, but never mentioned I was in media or in healthcare or anything like that. I mean, is is that something you think is becoming standard fare for people to just start field testing this and asking it the questions that Planned Parenthood would normally ask humans and, and to see what kind of response you get? That is a great question, and I'm super interested about this topic. As um, so as as, as because I'm very passionate about it, I also want to make sure it works well, right? So one of the big uh, one of the big risks with uh, generative AI and these chatbots and is actually um, prompt injection, right? So you so that they learn off of questions, right? So not only that is actually a risk for um, these models continuing to prompt them with misinformation, right? So that's how you, that's how you, you test, you test the model and, and you can really just um, inject some bad data into it. And that is, that is one of the risks and that is how it is, uh, you know, exploited in that way. Uh, I do think there has been studies out there where people have tried to use, you know, chat GPT for healthcare information and it, and it comes out completely wrong, which is okay because that's not really what it's there for. I think educating yourself and being knowledgeable and knowing. And I think there is a lot of um, in this time what you're using it for, what the benefits are, and really understanding how you are going to use it. And for searching yourself, I, which I, I really am an <laughs> awesome, um, you got to know what that AI and what that what it's learning off of. So you don't know where that data is coming from. Is it being fed by a database that was, you know, scraped from which which sources? So it's hard to answer, but I now I'm, I'm just very um, now motivated to go uh, ask ChatGPT about myself now. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, I have it. I have I have my I have my students write a paper and and hand it in, and then I tell them to go back and have ChatGPT write the same paper without them knowing they were going to do it. So they can't cook the books. Uh, they can cook the books sometimes because if the if the one they wrote is the one that they got for ChatGP, I know where they got the original work. So, so I want to ask you. I mean, uh, in, in the time that we have, you, I mean, you you got to spend some time on the other side, sort of in the vendor community, right? Um, and and uh, the sort of the dark side, I guess you would call that. It's uh, it's as I have. What what did what did you learn? Or I mean, are or the vendors that you see in your business becoming sensitive to those very specific, unique issues like you're having with uh, with with Planned Parenthood and and some of the issues that you face? How are they how are they building this into the products and the smarts in the uh, in these products? That, great question, and I, I I know we've had conversations about this, and we've definitely talked about vendor and you know a vendor as your strategic partner. I think it also um, I think it's it's definitely a game. Of, cat and mouse, right? Because you can only develop as fast as you can. And that is where on the vendor side, it, it does. It's cre it, it presents a, a lag in, in technology, right? Every day, every second, a new a new risk is coming out, a uh, way to compromise data. And for, you know, companies and vendors to keep up with those, it, it is difficult, right? So sometimes they're a little bit behind the, the ball. And also um, identifying a vendor that that knows enough about your organization um, like Planned Parenthood or a partner your organization to partner with your organization to almost know what you need before you need it. That is that is what's important. So on the vendor side, having that strategic vendor partner, but I do think as a as a whole, as any vendor, it is it is hard to keep up and to um to develop a product or to, to have a product fast enough to to meet the needs. But I do know that I really think it's hard for them to keep up with that and and depending on what type of vendor you have, if it's someone who's just really looking to make a sale, 
you know, it, it is, it's like with any product, you need someone who's really passionate. Regardless of the industry. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever had any, I'm just sort of a closing question here because we're running out of time. Have you ever had a vendor because of the nature of, of the, the, the demographic that you deal with is, has been somewhat hesitant to, to, to get involved in doing business with you because they're on sort of on the other side of the, the thinking process? Absolutely. Um, we, yeah, so we go through a very rigorous vendor assessment um, piece and screening. And one of them, I mean, we, and we do like to actually be equitable with all our, you know, with all vendors and make sure, but um, definitely being aligned with our mission is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's sometimes that's not easy for people to do, right? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Um, interesting. Interesting. I never thought about it until you you were talking that there's some that, just, just like Chick-fil-A closes on Sundays or, or Hobby Lobby, uh, you have a, a certain emotional and social conscious that that uh, I, I just was curious if tech companies have that. So, and you're you're you seem to be confirming that without having to get into detail that it does it does happen. So that's there's sort of an interesting bias of its own. So I am sorry we, uh, we we're running short on time here. I, I just I just want to thank you again. You're you're always great to have on my panels and and now on the radio program. And uh, I I hope we could have you back again for updates with new things. And I want to talk to you again about some of the newer equity issues that are coming out there because uh, we've had some very good conversations about implicit bias in really crazy places, uh, not only to mention the uh, the kinds of things we say in terms of emails and stuff like their words we used. Uh, you, you had uh, a great resource for me on that. So thank you again. And thank you to our audience with Stealth Health Radio. I hope you tune in again uh, next week uh, for our next broadcast. So thank you again. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today in the shadows for this episode of Health Stealth Radio with Frank Katita. If you like the program, please be sure to share your comments on our social media sites or feel free to contact us with suggestions for new and stealthy show themes. We look forward to welcoming you again for our next broadcast. In the meantime, stay safe out there.